everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who was hoping the Tigers pull it out just as much as I am. How you doing today, Ethan? I feel, I feel that on a very spiritual level. I got home from work not too long ago. And yeah, it's about to get real hectic, but I'm not mad at it. Speaking of things that are going to get a bit hectic, things have been a bit of a fiasco over this past week with regards to John Gruden. And of course, we're going to talk about that. In addition to talking about John Gruden, we are really going to discuss if the Chiefs really are done as Super Bowl contenders. And then we're going to talk some NBA action, making our predictions for NBA awards, as well as our realistic and fantasy finals predictions. But before we get to any of that, please be sure to check out the xreport.net. I repeat the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow xreport writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the X Report. So as we always do to kick things off, college football player spotlight. And this is going to be a bit of a different one, but we're just going to talk quarterbacks this season. I mean, before the year started, it was supposed to be Spencer Rattler as the go-ahead uh, first overall pick, but he's kind of struggled a bit in Oklahoma this season. Sam Howell at uh, North Carolina has had some issues of his own. Uh, Liberty's quarterback, Malik Willis, is having some issues too. Really, it's hard to determine a clear-cut quarterback, um, especially out of the ones who were supposed to be stars. So rather than necessarily picking where a certain quarterback is going to go, but Ethan, what do you think is up with this current class of quarterbacks? What do you think is holding them back from the expectations that they had before the year started? I think that also, I think it kind of goes into just sometimes you drink the Kool-Aid a little bit too early. I think that overall, kind of as fans and in the media, we kind of, we're always looking for the next big thing, even though that's not necessarily to say that the players that we think are going to be great are going to be great. I think that kind of in the case of Spencer Rattler, the last few years, I mean, of Oklahoma quarterbacks have been pretty Pretty darn good. I mean, looking at Baker Mayfield and his time there, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and everybody kind of expected Spencer Rattler to just take over the reins and be the next guy up. But realistically, that has not exactly happened yet. And I think that that kind of just goes to show you can never really predict the production of guys. And um, that same could be said for Sam Howell. A lot of expectations were put on him and North Carolina, even though you know, let's be honest here, North Carolina hasn't had that reputable football program in a while. And so it's just kind of weird. And just to see so many of the top quarterbacks to kind of just 
be looked at as a bit of letdowns. Because if you ask me, probably the best quarterback in the nation or the one who looks the best would be Matt Corral out of uh, Ole Miss. And that's saying a lot because I don't even like Ole Miss. But it's it's definitely something worth looking at, um, especially as the year moves on. Speaking of things to look at, let's look back at week five and see what took place. Of course, as we all know, Thursday night football, Rams beat uh, Seattle 26-17. Uh, Vikings are edged out by, I mean, edged out the Lions 19-17. Patriots come back from 13 down against the Texans 25-22. Falcons beat Jets in London 27-20. Uh, Saints beat football, Washington football team 33-22. Um, Green Bay Packers defeat the Cincinnati Bengals in a battle of the missed kicks, um, winning in overtime 25-22. Steelers get their second win of the season against the Broncos 27-19. Titans win AFC South showdown against the Jags, 37-19. Uh, Philly, I guess you can call it an upset, against the Panthers, 21-18. Bucks destroy Dolphins, 45-17. Uh, Chargers beat the Browns, 47-42. Um, Bears beat Raiders, 20-9. Cardinals beat 49ers, 17-10. Uh, Cowboys beat the Giants, 44-20. Bills upset Chiefs, 38-20. And then... Hear me out, not being biased, but my favorite game of the weekend, well, technically not even the weekend, but you know what I mean. Monday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens come back from a nearly 20-point deficit to beat the Colts 31-25 to in overtime. For the week, I had my best week of the season, went 12-5. and Ethan, also, you had your best week, too, going 10-5. and Unfortunately, Time to talk about injuries. Wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster, is out for the year with a shoulder injury. Running back Saquon Barkley is out for the next two to four weeks with a low ankle sprain. Ravens lose wide receiver Sammy Watkins for the foreseeable future with a hamstring injury. And the Lions lose wide receiver Quintez Cephas with a um, broken collarbone and center Frank Ragnow with a toe injury. I don't do this often, but let's talk about the Steelers. Ethan, in your opinion, what does the loss of Juju this season mean for this team? side of the coin truthfully I don't think I think in terms of the locker room and just the connection he had with Big Ben on a personal level makes it a big loss but play wise it's not like he really had done much I think that the team had also kind of like strayed away from him being considered as their number one receiver because if anything I would consider Chase Claypool as their best receiver and then Deontay Johnson is one of those guys who he's very inconsistent, but when he plays well, he plays well. And honestly, he's had more explosive plays than Juju over the last few years. So, like I said, in terms of team camaraderie, I think that it kind of hurts. But overall, I don't think that it's the biggest blow that could happen. But who knows? I, I do agree with you in the sense of it makes a bad offense worse because you're losing um, a pass catcher who can do things for you. But overall, I don't think it's too big of a blow.
But all right, Ethan, what are your top three takeaways from this past week of action? Honestly, I hate to, I don't want to like discredit anybody else's potential career, but I mean, considering what we've seen from Tua so far, even with Jalen Hurts and some other guys who were drafted, I don't, I don't think that's, there's much competition. I think that Justin Herbert is the best of the class so far. Joe Burrow is right behind him. And then it's like a really steep drop off after that. Like, while I will be the first to admit that I do think that Jalen Hurts is talented, I don't think that I, – I have a hard time thinking he's going to have that much success in Philly until they do, like, a really big roster overhaul. But, I mean, after that, it's it's really – it's tough sledding. So, yeah, I, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, As you all know, checking out my takeaways, just head on over to the export.net. I have all my takeaways for every team, every game, so you can check that out. Um, whenever you have a chance. But all right, before we move on from this week, let's go ahead and talk about the players we are most impressed by, disappointed by, and our Rookie of the Week. Ethan, you can start us off. respect that. I'm going to keep it at home and I'm going to say Lamar Jackson. I will be the first to say that I was I was worried for much of that game. I was like, I can't believe we are going to lose to the Colts. This is their offense just decided to come alive against us. But even still, 19 points down, Lamar fumbles in what the third quarter. All seems lost. Lamar Jackson said, hey, don't worry about it. I got us and put the team on his back like he has done for most of this season. Accounted for over 500 yards with a career high 442 passing yards. Also doing this while completing 86% of his passes. And he threw the ball over what? Over 30 or 40 times. That's very impressive. Not to mention he won us the game. And I know that I talk about it a lot. I'll be the one of the people who said that Lamar has to really be able to transition to be able to throw the ball before he can really have that success. Well, for the first time in his career, I can say that I am very comfortable with Lamar as a passer, and I hope that it continues. All right, who are you disappointed by this week? Um, I think I'm disappointed by the Colts. Um, I think that they're going to be a 
I feel that. I'm going to go to another game that I felt like was way too close, and I'm going to put it more so on a unit. I'm going to say the Patriots' defense. You and I, we've watched the Texans play. We know that Davis Mills has struggled a lot, but on Sunday, he looked like a competent quarterback. Threw for over 300 yards, and honestly, the Texans offense that really had struggled a lot just was moving up and down the field against the Patriots defense, which, as we both know, spent a lot of money to make their defense better. So it was really surprising to see that of all the teams, it wasn't Tom Brady who demolished them. It wasn't um, Tua who had a major game. It was Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. But all right, who is your rookie of the week? All right, now this could have easily for me gone to Jamar Chase, but I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to say Gregory Rousseau, defensive end for the Buffalo Bills. He was one of my favorite, actually not even one of, he was my favorite edge rusher to come out of this draft, but I totally understood the criticism about him being too raw, not knowing what he would be able to do. Well, so far he has made a big impact with the Bills and Sunday night showed why. Had four tackles, had a sack and an interception. Really was just the most multifaceted player on that defensive line. And mind you, he's doing it while playing a rotational role. So I'm excited to see what he'll be able to do once he gets more playing time. You know what? I'm not mad at that because Jamar Chase also balled out and he was a really very close second. Honestly, I could have easily went with him. But all right, let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk this week. Here are a few uh, league moves. Our boy, Anthony Miller, after being released by the Houston Texans, originally was going to sign with the Jags practice squad, but instead is signing with the Steelers. So congratulations to him. Um Seattle Seahawks former cornerback Trey Flowers was released earlier this week after requesting a release and was picked up by waivers on waivers by the Cincinnati Bengals. And finally, uh, safety Marcus May for the New York Jets expressed that he would not mind being traded, preferably to a team that had Super Bowl contention. Now, last season, I don't know how much you paid attention to May, but he had a Pro Bowl caliber year, really was the best defensive player for the New York Jets. And let's be honest, every team could always use a better safety. So if you're a playoff team, what team do you think would be the best move for Marcus May if he does end up getting traded? see that I think honestly their offense has outplayed their defense so far which is a shock to say but their defense is definitely underperformed especially considering the expectations they had from a year ago for me I know it's kind of like the easy answer but I'm still going to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers while their offense looks like 
They are playing lights out. They have been very successful. I don't think anyone can really deny the fact that their defense has not been up to snuff, particularly their secondary. Yes, you can make a comment about injuries, blah, blah, blah. But even when they're fully healthy, they're not exactly the best group on the field. And I think that by getting a player like um, Marcus May will definitely help shore up that back end. And I think that it would be a really nice tandem to watch he and and, uh, Antoine Winfield work. But – I mentioned it at the top of the show, and now we got to talk about it. John Gruden, in a surprising move on Monday, officially announced that he has resigned from his position as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Here's the statement. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry I never meant to hurt anyone. Like many people, everyone was confused as to why this is happening. Well, here are a few reasons why. After last week, his um, racially inspired comments about NFLPA uh, president DeMora Smith came out. More emails were investigated by the NFL, which included emails that were anti-LGBTQ community, for example, calling Roger Goodell a F-word, the coolest anti-football P-word. In addition to that, he also discussed that um, the league should not have pressured former Rams coach Jeff Fisher for drafting uh, Michael Sam, who, as we all know, was homosexual. He also mentioned the players should not have a job if they knelt through the national anthem, uh, disparaged women from being coaches. And, yeah, a lot has taken place in his emails. And, of course, everybody has thoughts about them. First things first for the Raiders. They announced that their assistant coach, Rich uh, Basia, is expected to replace him as their interim head coach. And Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, said this about Gruden. I love the man. I hate the sin. No one's perfect. If we just started opening up everyone's private emails and texts, people would start sweating. Hopefully not too many, but maybe that's what they should do for all the coaches and GMs and owners from now to see what happens. I think more than anything, coach needs people to love him. But at the same time, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Ethan, it's a lot to swallow with this situation. But what are your thoughts on the whole John Gruden fiasco? Not only was it being derogatory towards people from 
Right. Once you depart those immemorial grants. So it's still a losing situation. I'm honestly, I mean, I thought he was a I thought he was a bad hire, and once he made a lot of dumb football, he made a lot of dumb football moves as far as trading players and building their roster. So from a non-football perspective, we might be able to see things that they can bring somebody in and build and roster the way that they need to be built. So my biggest thing is John Gruden messed up because first things first, if you are going to send stupid emails or emails that could potentially get you in trouble, why are you doing it for the same email that you work with? That is the biggest one, because if you are using your work email for anything, you're not going to have privacy. The company that you work for has exclusive rights at any time they can check your email. Now, I don't know what exactly set off the whole investigation to begin with. Like, I don't know what made them look at his emails from in the first place. But even still, that's where he messed up. Like, it, it, I say it as a joke, but then again, if you're going to talk crap about people, do what Kevin Durant did. Make a burner Twitter account and just say whatever you want. Because in this case, it's everything you say is tied to you. And what makes it worse is like, he can't deny it and say, oh, I didn't say this. I didn't say that. It's clear that you said it. Because it's right here. It's from your email. And so I think that in that regard, John Gruden played himself. And like Derek Carr said, yeah, you hate you hate the sin, love the man, whatever. But I mean, I'm not, I don't know John Gruden. I've never met him. But honestly, in hearing this stuff, none of it really surprised me. Like, I'm not that shocked to hear about any of this. Not because I think that... John Gruden is just a walking around flaming racist or he's just a terrible person. I just I think that a lot of coaches, especially kind of old school coaches who have coached, you know, probably within the last 20 or so years, they have the this same kind of ideology. They still have these same thought processes on things such as women in sports or race in sports or the national anthem and things like that. So it does not su surprise me. I am sure there are plenty of other coaches who would say the same thing. But like you mentioned, it, we're only talking about John Gruden. Until those other coaches get put on the spot, then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I think that we have to focus on John Gruden. And like you said, I think it was necessary to make an example out of him just to let everybody know this isn't okay this is not what the league is going to condone and you're going to have to suffer the repercussions from it. So I don't feel bad for him. I think that it needed to happen. And honestly, like you said, I think from a football standpoint, I think the Raiders are going to be better off from it because now they can actually get a competent coach in there who they didn't have to pay a hundred million dollars, which even still is wild because I'm not giving no coach a hundred million dollars. But all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery. After the 38 to 20 loss uh, to the Buffalo Bills, it seems like all the claws are out against the Kansas City Chiefs. In fact, so much so, Stephen A. Smith simply said the Kansas City Chiefs are done, citing the biggest reason is because their defense is trash. Believable or buffoonery, this uh, Kansas City Chiefs are done being seen as Super Bowl contenders. Mm -hmm. And they look like a team that always has to get a couple 
I would agree with that. I think that while I agree on the sense of their defense is freaking terrible, and I think that that more than anything is going to hold them back because we know that their offense can score. We know that their offense is going to do good. But for the first time in years, their offense is actually making mistakes. They're turning the ball over more than they ever had in Patrick Mahomes' tenure. And it's something that people aren't used to, which is understandable because we're so used to him being Mr. Efficient, Mr. Get the Job Done. And so I think that the defense has to step up. And I just I have a hard time buying that the Chiefs are just going to sit around and just continue on this season with what they have, not trying to make a move to make that defense better. So, yeah, I'm, I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. All right, let's talk about a team that on the flip-hand side has kind of changed the narrative and gotten some positivity around them. After improving to 4-1 on the season, Amari Cooper said, when you're in a role like this, you start thinking about the Super Bowl. So, believable or buffoonery, the Cowboys should be seen as legit Super Bowl contenders. I would say this. They definitely have the makings of a playoff team. Without a doubt, they look like the best team in their division, and it's not even close. But in terms of the Super Bowl, I don't know if I'm buying it right now. I mean, their schedule outside of the Chargers game was pretty man, and they made that out of the skin of their teeth. Same for the Bucs. Other than that, they kind of, they kind of I'm not going to say skated by, but they haven't had too much of a test. And I think that they can, like you said, with the Chiefs, if they can continue on this road going to like week 10, then yeah, I'll buy it. But right now they definitely look like a playoff team. I would be shocked if any other team in the East really beat them out to win that division. But all right, let's go ahead and talk about a one of the most controversial figures in sports, Colin Kaepernick, who talked about his desire to play in the NFL in a recent interview with uh, Ebony Magazine and said, I'm still up at 5 a.m. training five, six days a week, making sure I'm prepared to take a team to the Super Bowl again. That's not something I will ever let go of, regardless of the actions of 32 teams and their partners to deny me employment. The same way I was persistent in high school is the same way I'm going to be persistent here. Believable or buffoonery, Colin Kaepernick will be signed by an NFL team. Yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that too. And with regards to Colin Kaepernick, like you said, like I am very appreciative of what he did because he really put a voice and like put the issue, played a big role in putting the issue of um, police brutality into the national spotlight in a way that it hadn't been before. But we're not going to sit here and act like this man has take not taken a snap in the last four years. We're not going to sit here and act like even the last time he was on the NFL field that he was subpar at best. If this was somebody, okay, if he had the talent of, let's say, Russell Wilson 
and he did, he know, for the national anthem and all that, I feel like a team would be more amped to take a chance on him. But considering the last time we saw Colin Kaepernick, which, mind you, was several years ago, and it wasn't that good of a showing, it makes it hard to be like, what are you selling to a team? You may train, you may do this and that, but it's one thing to be in shape, and it's a whole other thing to be in football shape, to be in playing shape. And I don't think that he is in that shape. I just have a hard – and plus, when he played, NFL defenses hadn't become as equipped and as used to seeing um, athletic and mobile quarterbacks like he was. When he came, it was like Russell was kind of mo- mobile. There was RG3, but RG3 struggled to stay healthy. So Colin Kaepernick was kind of like in a league of his own, but now we've seen, we've seen Cam do it. We've seen uh, Lamar do it. Jalen Hurts is a guy, a guy like that. It just seems like every quarterback can kind of do the same things that he can do. So, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that. One was different, but no. All right, so let's move on to a quarterback who is signed to an NFL team and hoping to make a lot of money. Baker Mayfield, who the media is not exactly sold on. Uh, Stephen A. Smith had this to say, here's the real. You ain't winning no title with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. Um, his the Bart Scott also had some comments about him, said he is the most replaceable quarterback in football. Nobody does less with more than Baker Mayfield. Believable or buffoonery, Baker Mayfield is the most replaceable quarterback on a starting, I mean, on a playoff team. But what about playoff teams? Of playoff teams, is he the most replaceable quarterback? Uh, I would say yes. Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, no, I'm calling believable on that because – uh, that's why I phrased it as uh, playoff teams, because if you say replaceable, I mean, any team that's not, there's like several replaceable quarterbacks. But with regards to being a playoff team, yeah, I don't, Baker is average at best. He is one of those guys who you literally do not know what you're going to get. You can get a guy who has a garbage game like he did against the Vikings or a, the next week had a solid game against the Chargers. But what I think people don't really I think people underestimate just how important the run game is in Cleveland. 
I think that while Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are balling out, we've seen that when the ball is in Baker's hands and he has to win the game, it has not happened. If that run game is not going, the Browns aren't going anywhere. And I think that while Baker Mayfield, like you said, he does his job. He's not ter- he's not the worst quarterback in the league, but also he's very replaceable. I mean, hell, he's not even the top two quarterbacks in that division right now. And I, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to disrespect him. I take him over Big Ben, but even still, it's it's tough. And I think that because of the team that they have, you put in a better quarterback or just pick. Of the playoff teams right now, I am sure that you can pick just about any who are in the playoff. I'm sorry, who are playoff teams, and you take their quarterback and put them on the Browns, they'd win a Super Bowl. If you put Russell Wilson on the Browns right now, I believe wholeheartedly they could win a Super Bowl. I know that we're not talking about Deshaun Watson because he hasn't played, but his talent on the Browns, they could be a Super Bowl contender. Hell, even in their division, you put Lamar on that team, they're winning a Super Bowl. But Baker Mayfield, I feel like, is the biggest thing that's holding them back right now. So I'm going to call believable on that. And speaking of Lamar Jackson, like I mentioned earlier, he played a hell of a game on Monday night. So much so that uh, Dan Grazino of Get Up, which is on ESPN, said, I don't see how you can watch this guy play and think there's anyone more valuable to his team than he is. Believable or buffoonery, there is no player in the NFL more valuable to their team than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I'm agreeing with that. I mean, I think that we have seen over the last few years just how much Lamar does to where it's not like he's just some quarterback who throws the ball, gets people open, whatever. He's not just running the ball and scampers. Like, what he does helps his team win games. It may not be the prettiest. It may not be the sexiest, but it is sure as hell is fun to watch. And I think that because of that, not only is Lamar such a fan favorite, but in a polarizing figure, but in the end, the biggest stat that matters is win wins. And outside of Patrick Mahomes, there is not a young quarterback in the league that gets wins the way Lamar does. So I'm, I'm definitely calling believable on that. But all right, let's make our game picks for week six. Thursday night football is already on. Um, Bucks lead Eagles 14 to seven right now in the second quarter. So we're going to skip that one. We're going back to London. The Miami Dolphins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars in the greatest game of all time. I got Jags. Really? Okay. Who did you trust in sure? Uh, Cincinnati Bengals versus the Detroit Lions. I want Dan Campbell to get a win so bad, but I don't see it happening on Sunday. I got Bengals. Baltimore Ravens versus the... uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I this is tough because I could literally see it going either way. But you know what? 
I'm going to say Baltimore. I've gone against Baltimore the last time. I didn't think that we will win. I'm going to put my trust in Baltimore. Totally understandable. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs taking on Washington football team. I got Kansas City. Minnesota Vikings versus the Carolina Panthers. This is pretty evenly matched, but I'm going to go Vikings. Indianapolis Colts versus the Houston Texans. I'm going to say Colts because if they don't win this game, it's going to be a riot. Los Angeles Rams versus the New York Jets. I mean, New York Giants. I got Rams regardless of who's playing on the Giants. It's, it's, it's overmatched, even if the Giants were at full health. Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears. I'm going Packers. Cleveland Browns versus the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going, I'm going Browns. Denver Broncos versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that the Raiders are in a really big state of flux right now. I'm going Broncos. Dallas Cowboys versus the New England Patriots. I think this is going to wind up being a pretty close game, but I'm still going Cowboys. Pittsburgh Steelers against the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night football. Low-key, they need to flex this game out, but that's neither here nor there. I got Steelers. All right, and Monday night football, your Tennessee Titans hosting the Buffalo Bills. Who you got? Buffalo. Yeah, I do too. I wouldn't be mad about an upset. All right, so let's talk the players we are watching offensively, defensively, our rookies, and who we're calling out. Uh, for me, I'm watching Baker Mayfield. I just said that I feel like he's the most replaceable quarterback for a playoff team, but that could change. Who knows? He could ball out this week, make it two weeks in a row that he has a really solid game. I think that the Cardinals' defense has been playing very well, but it looks like Chandler Jones might be out this week. So if Chandler Jones is out, that's going to help out your uh, pass protection a lot. And if he does have to throw the ball, I think that it can make his life much easier. So I'm looking at Baker. What about you offensively? Uh, offensively, I'm going to you all right, defensively, I am watching Fletcher Cox, who coincidentally is playing tonight. Um, he and the rest of his uh, defensive linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles played a big role in that win against the Panthers. And as we all know, if you get pressure on Tom Brady, that is a quick way to rattle him and help win games. I mean, they know it. That's what helped them win the Super Bowl. So I think that if the Eagles are going to pull off an upset tonight, Fletcher Cox is going to have to pave the way for it. All right, so next up, my rookie that I'm watching. This is the new one. I'm going Kadarius Toney for the New York Giants. Uh, Sterling Shepard is hurt. Darius Slayton is hurt. Kenny Galladay is hurt. There have been so many injuries at wide receiver that even if you, if the coaching staff did want to get mad at Kadarius Toney for taking out his frustrations on social media, you got to play him. And playing him last week turned out pretty well. He really excelled and showed off that explosiveness that he had at Florida. So I think that he's going to have to keep it up. I'm interested to see if he can do that against this tough – well, it's not as tough as it was, but this Rams defense. 
Yeah, but I don't think he's suspended. I haven't seen anything about him being suspended. Yeah, because Julio has done nothing but let me down. To be fair, he hasn't played in a couple weeks, but even still, Jamar has been clutch. Um, all right, and so the team I'm calling out, of course I'm calling out Baltimore. While we are coming off a great win, I do not want that to be something that we rest on. I, we got to get over that hangover, and we got to try to do it again against an even better team, the Los Angeles Chargers. So, Baltimore, do your job. Let's go get another win. Let's keep the ball rolling. You have to play at the top of your game. Um, Kevin Bayer really stepped up last week, and hopefully they continue this week, and hopefully their defense can make some plays. Maybe they can continue to be a freaking nature again. I almost get another thousand yards in the first week. Yep, that sounds about right. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, starting off in Philly. Now, after it seemed reported that Ben Simmons was done in Philly, was not going to step foot back in Philadelphia, he's back. Um, it was announced that Rich Paul, his uh, agent, has progressed in talks over the past few days with the uh, Philly's front office as a way to bring forth a resolution to bring him back to Philly. Now, of course, the plan is still for him to be traded, but for the time being, he is still with the team. Ethan, how awkward do you think it is going to be having him back, especially after everything that has happened over these past few months? Yeah, if you think it's going to be, I didn't really think about it from the fan standpoint, but I feel like even with the stuff that was said about Joel Embiid, I'm sure that's going to cause some tension in that locker room. It's it's definitely not going to be the most fun place to be on earth, but I think that hopefully if he can just show enough for him to be traded, I think that that will help expedite the process, mainly because I think that teams will probably just kind of wait it out as opposed to seeing him play well, because in the regular season, he does play pretty solid. He's not going to, you know, just take over a game offensively or anything like that, but he just has to do his job. And I think that there will be a team. Well, I mean, there already have been teams that have tried to trade for him, but I feel like they you, they may get a bit lucky and have more people try to make that move. But all right, let's go ahead and make our picks for NBA awards and finals predictions because in less than a week, the NBA will be back in action. So starting off with Coach of the Year, Ethan, who do you got? Um, for me, I think, um, I'm going to go with, I think, Aggie, not Larry. 
I'm going to go with a bit of a surprise, and I'm going to say Billy Donovan, head coach for the Chicago Bulls. You and I talked about it a lot with them bringing in DeMar DeRozan. We really don't know how it's going to work out. It's a lot of um, miles to feed. But I still feel like this could be a year that that the Bulls make their way back to the playoffs. I think that this could be a year where I don't think they're going to utterly dominate people, but this could be a really big year for them. And I think that Billy Donovan, he's a smart enough coach. I mean, he played a decent-sized role in the Oklahoma City Thunder making the playoffs. So especially with kind of a weakened Eastern Conference, I could definitely see the Bulls making their way back there. All right, as for Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going Joel Embiid. I think that Joel Embiid has consistently been one of the top-rated defensive players in the league. The only problem is injuries have been a bit of concern, but when he's healthy, he is almost um, impossible to score against, and I think that this is the year that we end the run of Rudy Gobert getting the award by default. All right, six man of the year. Who you got? Jordan Clarkson is a good one. He was definitely somebody I made a point to add to my fantasy team. But I'm actually going to say Carmelo Anthony. I think that while his time with L.A. could either go one of two ways, either he's going to be a great six man and he's really going to ball out and just kind of perform the way he did with the Trailblazers, but even maybe so magnify kind of being that leader for that second squad. Or he could just, it could just not work. There's really no real in-between between the two, but I'll go with the former. And I, I and I think that Carmelo is bound for a big year. Uh, moving on to most uh, improved player of the year. This is where I see DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs going. Honestly, I think that the Spurs are, I don't want to say desperate for a superstar, but looking at that roster right now, there is not much room for excitement. I mean, you have DeJounte Murray, who's shown some promise, but questions are still up in the air. You have Kelvin Johnson, who was kind of in a similar situation. Uh, Bonnie Walker as well. They brought in Thaddeus Young. Needless to say, not many names that people are running out to buy their jerseys. But I think that this could be an opportunity for DeJounte to really show his worth and prove his mantle as one of those top guys in the league. So, yeah, I'm going to say DeJounte is going to be most improved. Cunningham, mainly because I feel like compared to the other rookies, I think that he's in a situation where he's going to be totally looked at to be the number one scoring option. He's going to be looked at as the guy to go ahead, put up the shots. He's expecting it. The opposing defenses are expecting it. So I think it's really only a matter of time before he ends up being their leading scorer. 
And while I know he may not have the same record or at least the same talent around him as other guys, I think that he can really ball out and be in a really nice situation, or at least for the short term till he wants to leave. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if he's really balling out, don't nobody want to say in, Pittsburgh, uh, in Detroit. To me, I'm going to say Jalen Green because I think he's in a very similar situation where he knows he's going to get the bulk of the shots. He knows he's going to be the guy that they're, that they're offering to make plays. And I think he's going to have a couple of really explosive scoring games. All right, so now time for the tough one. MVP, who you got? Joel Embiid. He was supposed to win it last year if he had never got hurt. I, I agree with that 100%. Well, as regards to him winning it last year. But for this year, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Kevin Durant. I think that with all the drama that's been taking place with Kyrie Irving, yes, we know James Harden is a bucket as well, but KD is seen as like the ultimate bucket. One would even argue the best player in the league. And I think that we all know had things gone a little bit differently in game seven against the Bucks, they could be champions right now off the back of Kevin Durant. So I don't see that really changing. I think that KD is primed for a huge year. So he's going to be my MVP. But all right, time for finals predictions, realistic ones, and the ones we would just like to see. So realistically, who do you see in the finals this year? Yeah, I say that too. I got Nets in six. What about you? All right, time for the fun part. Fantasy finals predictions, if you could have your way. For me, this may sound like a little bit of a shock, but I'm going to say that Miami Heat, because, you know, I love me some Jimmy Butler, and I want Jimmy Butler to get a ring at some point, and the Memphis Grizzlies. In my time living in Memphis, the Grizzlies have really grown on me. I love me some Grizzlies. I love me some job. It is hurting my soul that I am not there to catch some games. So what better way would it be for them to make it all the way to the finals. Look, I'm sorry if this sounds bad. I want Jimmy Butler to get a ring because he's older than Ja. Ja can always have a chance. But in my fantasy finals prediction, it would be Heat, Grizzlies, Heat winning seven. Fair enough. Joel, Joel has time. I, I, I like to believe that Joel will get a ring before his, his career is over. But all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery, starting with not only my favorite team, but my favorite player, Russell Westbrook, who has been turned on the ball over quite a bit. Um, In one of last week's preseason games, he turned the ball over 15 times and said, the turnover stuff is on me, but good thing they don't count. So turn that bitch over 15 times and nobody can do nothing about it. Believable or buffoonery, the Lakers should have concerns about Russ's turnovers. Turnovers that you normally wouldn't have, just simply building chemistry. 
Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I wouldn't really trip off of it that much, be it <clears throat> with it being the preseason. But I think that if it becomes a persistent issue, then yeah, that may be something to worry about. But right now, not not too worried. All right, so let's talk about OG Ananobi, a guy who does not get talked about much, but that could potentially change after this season. Fred Van Vliet, guard for the Raptors, said he's our number one option right now, and he's been great for us. Um, in the preseason so far, he's averaged 20 points, four rebounds per game. Believable or buffoonery, OG Ananobi is bound to have a career season in 2021. on that I think that OG has definitely shown some flashes over the past couple of years and because Kyle Lowry's gone like you said into so much other roster turnover this could really be his opportunity to showcase why he is the guy and why the team should be built around him so yeah I, I find it believable as well also let's be honest the Raptors are I'm not gonna say they're like not seen as a realistic playoff team but it'll be a hard spot for them to do that so I think this allows them to be a bit more creative and just try to figure out what works and it could be OG all right, but let's talk about somebody who was working a couple years ago when the Miami Heat made the finals. Honestly, Tyler Harrell was the biggest name of the bubble in terms of the rookie players, but that has kind of cooled off over the last couple of years, but he says that should not be the case. He, feel, he said, I feel like I'm in the same conversation as those guys, meaning other younger players, such as Luca, Trey, and John Morant. Believable or buffoonery? Tyler Harrow deserves more respect. calling buffoonery I like the confidence I really do but it's a bit misplaced I mean one could argue during his rookie year he wasn't even the best rookie on the team like throughout the regular season I would take Kendrick Nunn over what Tyler Hero did that's me here nor there so yeah now I'm calling buffoonery but I like the confidence moving on to confidence there is still a lot of confidence in what could be done in Brooklyn, regardless of if Kyrie Irving plays or not, the Brooklyn Nets made the announcement that Irving would not be playing um, for the foreseeable future unless he was to get vaccinated. Their front office said that it just wouldn't be fair for someone to be there part time when there are people who were there full time. A lot of comments have been made about that since. Most recently, last night, uh, Kyrie Irving said this on Instagram Live Do you th really think I want to lose money? You think I really want to give up on my dream to go after a championship? You think I just really want to give up my job? You think I really just want to sit at home and not going after these things with my teammates? And once again, reiterating the fact that he will not, he is not um, retiring. He says he still wants to play. Uh, his teammate James Harden spoke on the situation and not playing with Kyrie and said, Kyrie believes in his beliefs and he stands firmly. We respect it. We all love Kyrie. 
but we have a job to do. And individually, myself, I'm still waiting to set myself up for a championship. The entire organization is on the same path. Um, so, believable or buffoonery, the Brooklyn Nets should still be seen as title favorites without Kyrie Irving in tow. point about the Bucks. I mean, struggling to beat them with just KD. Yeah, I'm calling believable on that as well. Um, I feel like the Nets have done a really nice job to add more depth to their team than they had a year ago. And also, I'm actually kind of happy you mentioned Joe Harris because I feel like with Kyrie gone, it's going to create more opportunities for him because, you know, prior to KD and Kyrie coming, he was one of their best players because he was such a lethal shooter. He was such a great shooter, but of course, Kyrie and uh, KD come, you're not going to see as many shots. And then you add in James Harden, it's almost impossible. So it's going to create more opportunities for him. And then in addition to that, Cam Thomas, who has really been a bucket, was a bucket in the summer league, is proven to be a bucket now. I think that he's going to have an opportunity to really do some big things for them as well. But yeah, overall, I think that the Nets team is in a good position. Don't Now, if somebody was a, like James or KD were to get hurt, I think that that would definitely take a blow but I still think that they should still be seen as favorites. But all right, last but not least, let's talk Zion, who it was announced earlier um, today that he is going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season, still dealing with an injury, but he's not thinking short-term. He's thinking long-term. Um, in a recent interview with Sirius XM NBA Radio, he said, it was a sickening feeling missing the playoffs. I'm watching the playoffs. I'm like, we can be there. I know we can be there this year. Man, just something took over me, and I was like, yeah, it's not happening again. It's not happening no more. So, believable or buffoonery, the Pelicans are playoff bound in 2021. Yeah, no, I'm calling buffoonery on that, too. I just think that they're 
of other teams who were trying to say, oh, we're going to make the playoffs, like, I feel like they've done more to their roster to get them there, like, as I mentioned earlier with the Bulls. But if anything, one could argue that their roster is worse than it was a year ago because Lonzo was a great fit there, and now he's not going to be there. He was a great distributor. Now you don't really have that as much. Devontae Graham is solid, but you don't know if he's really going to have that same overall impact. They're still missing nice pieces on the bench to where you can not have a player like Zion on the field and still, I mean, on the court and still feel comfortable. So, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery on that. I think that the Pelicans still have a ways to go before they can be considered a playoff team. So, yeah, no, I'm calling buffoonery. But that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out theexreport.net or pizzaexport.net for sports content written by yours truly and fellow Export writers. Previous episode of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan, anything you would like to add before we close this bad boy out? Yeah, with a hamstring injury. Oh, yeah, I got him on uh, starting on a couple teams. Mainly, Well, one is because Clyde got hurt. And the other one, I think it's because, I, yeah, I don't trust Miles Sanders. So I will gladly keep playing playoff Lenny. But, yeah, for me, um, Baltimore, you've been doing really good this season. Let's keep it up. And uh, go Tigers. I know literally everybody is getting hurt, and it is hurting my soul, such as Kayshawn Booty, Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley. If I was him, I wouldn't come back. It's been rough in the bayou, but, I mean, we still going to produce NFL-caliber players, so that's fine, I guess. But thank you guys so much for listening. Also, be on the lookout, if actually it might already be out, for the Fantasy uh, Basketball Guide. We can run through different categories, try to help you out with the basketball season right around the corner. So be on the lookout for that. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.